Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. This is a 15-week study of Who Holds Forgiveness. The word forgiveness brings different emotions to each of us. Join us as we dig deeper into who holds forgiveness. Here's Jacqueline. We are going to do Genesis 39 today is where we're going to start. We need to open in prayer. Isn't prayer good? Isn't prayer really, really good? It doesn't matter if we are out on a walk in this beautiful weather. Agreed? Yes. And this is the type of year that like everybody can agree. Those that don't like heat enjoy this level of heat. And those of us that love heat can still feel, feel a little bit of that sunshine. So it's a perfect, perfect time of year. Go fall. Fall is not my favorite season, but I'm trying. <laughs> With that, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, how good you are. I thank you so much for gifting us with your word. I thank you so much for scripting your message on the hearts of so many throughout the years, people that you have created, people that lived their stories, that lived their lives, that learned as they lived, and that were willing to obey you. Obey you by simply writing what you, Holy Spirit, asked them to write. I thank you, Father God, for collecting all of those words over time, for preserving your words so faithfully, so wholly, so purely, and binding them together for us today. What a most miraculous gift that you've given to us. I thank you that it's an alive, powerful book. I thank you that it's more than just words on paper, but it's the very word of God. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit alive and on fire. And this is what we get to open. Lord God, thank you so much that we get to come together and that we get to open the word of God together. And I pray that as we do that, that you will open up our eyes to a story that we know through and through. I pray that you'll help us to taste it and see it brand new today. I pray that you'll strengthen us and grow us. Lord, the foundation has already been laid. Father God, we are standing on the truth of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that as we stand on that foundation, that you'll build us up and the knowledge of who you are. I pray that you'll help us to use this as a sword, use it as our breastplate of faith. I pray that you'll wrap us up in your arms that we may stand against Satan. Oh, Father God, I pray that you'll give us the tools that we need today through your written word. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Genesis 39 is where we are. We are talking about Joseph. We are going to go through Old Testament. My favorite is New Testament. My son and I debate this quite frequently. My son is 16 and he loves the Old Testament stories. He loves the Old Testament stories. If he could choose where to read, what to do, it's going to be Old Testament. Me, I'm like New Testament, the new life, the fruit of the spirit. I want the New Testament. I want the smiles and the joys and the peace and the faithfulness. It's applicable to me right now. Wednesday's a bad day. Read the New Testament. You will be good. Read Philippians, the joy of the Lord. And I love the New Testament. The Old Testament is humans, is it not? <laughs> I get enough of that. So added prayer as God's allowing me to teach on the Old Testament today. There's this man named Joseph. And I encourage you right now to go through your head. I did this with one of my girlfriends yesterday. And she's like, uh, she asked in conversation, she's like, who is Joseph's mom? 
And I'm like, well, I'm not answering that question. You know that answer. So I sat there and looked at her. And she's going through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And she's going through out loud with her mouth the genealogies of the Old Testament. And she got it. She's like, I knew it. I knew what the mother's name is. My question to you is, what's, what's Joseph's mother's name? Do you know? Rachel. Good job, Bible scholars, Bible students. You passed the test. We can now pray and go home. <laughs> but do this. Go through in your head. Test your knowledge. What do you know? Do you know facts about Joseph? What do you know about Joseph? What do you remember about Joseph? What are you wanting to know more of about Joseph? I don't know about his brothers. A lot of us do. A lot of us have judged his brothers. That's a different topic. What do you know about Joseph? Stretch yourself. Maybe that's your personal challenge this week is doing a little written exam. Just you and God. Here's my knowledge of Joseph. Here's what I know about Joseph's story. Earlier this year, we got to do an eight-week study on But God. And we all faced our stories. Joseph is a prime example of a story. A story that we know, a story that we tell, a story that we cling to sometimes, and a story that he lived that he didn't see as a story. It was his life. We know more about Joseph than Joseph knew about Joseph while he was living. Isn't that true? He was simply living his life. He was simply having dreams from his God. He was simply in a childlike excitement proclaiming the dream that God laid on his heart and shared his dream. Say, I don't know what his dream is. There's your personal challenge. Look up his dream. There were two of them that God laid on Joseph's heart as a young teenager. I'm raising a young teenager. And sometimes God speaks to his people and lays dreams on their hearts. And with excitement, we spill out our dreams. And that's what Joseph did. And it was not received with the same joy that was on his heart. That was his story. We know that story. We know the end of that. We know where that dream went. We know that God fulfilled the dream on his heart. But we also know the trials and the struggles and the hardship and the pain and the tears that happened in Joseph's life from the point that his dream was revealed to him to the point that his dream was accomplished according to the plan of God. We know these facts about Joseph. And if you don't know these facts about Joseph, they're all in scripture. Begin in like chapter 36 and find these facts about Joseph. Learn more about the story and grow your story through a life that was already lived. He told his dream and it caused a hatred. His dream, God gave a dream to Joseph and others hated him for it. Could you even wrap your head around that? You're like, yes, I've experienced that. God gives us dreams, wants us to rise up and others see it as, oh, you think you're better than us. Oh, your pride, oh, hatred, oh, fill in the blank. Swords are drawn, stones of judgment are thrown. And you stand there and you think, maybe my dream wasn't from God. Don't ever doubt your dream from God. Don't do that. So here's what, where Joseph is. He's in a pit because of his dream. Ultimately, his dream from God, he's in a pit. From his brothers. He gets out of the pit and is sold. He's sold and his story goes on. And his dream, way behind him. I have no idea if his dream was always present on his heart. I don't know if it was always in the back of his mind. I don't know if it was the forefront of his prayers every day. 
God, is it time? God, is it time? And in the pit, is he praying? God, is it time for my dream to come true? Uh, right? Hard to imagine. Hard to imagine how much he clung to that dream or if that dream was just imprinted on him for the time that God said it's time. I don't know. But here we see Joseph and we see Joseph in a high point in his life. So we know all the low points in his life. We know the sorrows. We know the pain. We know the rejection. We know, we know the ick of the past of his story. And in Genesis 39, we see his success. In his slavery, he had great success. And that's what we're going to see here. Genesis 39. Keep all of this that we know about Joseph tied in with our question of our study, who holds forgiveness? And I encourage you not to think about the brothers, right? We think about Joseph, we think about forgiveness. What do we think about? The brothers. We think about our story and we think about forgiveness. And who do we think about? The other people, right? They did this to me. They threw me in the pit. They sold me. They hurt me. They harmed me. They, 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 they. And we're constantly pointing. Oh, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Good. They need to hear this. <laughs> this is about Joseph. This whole thing is completely about Joseph. It has nothing right now to do with the brothers. So get the brothers out of your head for right now. Right now it's Joseph. Verse one says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt I like the kindness in which that is spoken. If you didn't read the first 38 chapters of Genesis, you wouldn't know what was going on right here. Oh, Joseph was in Egypt. Good for him. I heard it's lovely there. <laughs> now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down to Egypt. Lots of details, personal study right there in verse one. Break that apart. Look at history and see what is happening there. See the importance of position that's going on in verse one. We're not going to do that today. That's for you. Verse two, it says, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Again, there's no conversation of his past pain this is present day. This is the life that he's living right now. The Lord was with Joseph right now. And Joseph became a successful man right now. This is his truth. This is his life that he's living right here in the house. Scripture says in the house of his Egyptian master, his master saw that the Lord was with him. That's his reality right now. His master saw the presence of the Lord with Joseph. And he saw that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. He saw the power in Joseph's hands and he saw the source of the power was the Lord. This was seen from his master. This was seen by, by Potiphar. Verse four. So Joseph, because of this, because of who he was today, not who he was yesterday, what happened yesterday, but because of what is going on today, Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of the house and put him in charge of all that Potiphar had. You're like, I know this story. Let's keep going. R think of what is happening right here. In the pain of his past, right now he's standing tall. 
physically, outwardly, he's standing tall. Spiritually, outwardly, he's standing tall. That's huge. Sometimes we can go from our past and we can stand in our present and we can stand tall and stand strong. And on the inside, our spirit, our walk with the Lord is completely crumpled up and buried into the dirt. Have you ever done that? Separated? Separated your physical appearance with your spiritual appearance? And you're like, I'm going to pretend that this is healthy by looking like it's healthy. That's not what Joseph did. Joseph says, I know, I know what happened. But my appearance and my spiritual appearance, it's one. It's one. Don't separate that. Daughter of the king, don't separate that. Regardless of your past, regardless of yesterday, today, make sure your spiritual life and your physical life are one. It's vital. It's vital and others will see that. Others will see that. Remind yourself of that. I'm like, well, I don't want to do it for others to see. Okay, don't do it for others to see. But I guarantee others will see that. We could testify that of each other in this room, can't we? We see our girlfriends walk in the room and we know the story of our girlfriends in this room. Those of us that are in small groups, we know the stories of our girls in our small groups. And we get together each week and our girls show up with the story that they're living, the heartache that we're living. We're praying right now over a sweet girl that's not here today because she's struggling because of health issues that are going on in her husband's world. But I got to talk to this woman two nights ago on the phone and to hear her testify of the love of Jesus Christ. And the power that she stands and the joy of the Lord while her husband was in surgery for hours longer than he was supposed to be. Hearing her physical truth and her spiritual truth as one. Oh, oh, others see it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to behold. This is what's happening in Joseph's life right here. It's not just words in a book and a chapter that we check mark. Okay, read Genesis 39 today. Check. This is what's happening. Somebody's real life story is happening right here. Verse five. I'm going to read that again. It says, from that time, he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. And it says, the Lord blessed, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. So, verse 6, so he, so Potiphar, so the Egyptian, the head, left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything except for what he wanted for dinner. I'm like, oh, I want that life. <laughs> I want to only think about what's for dinner. This is how spoiled Pharaoh was because of Joseph's walk with the Lord. It's an interesting thought. Verse six continues and it says, now Joseph, I'll switch in the story. Now Joseph was handsome. Joseph was handsome in both form and appearance. You picturing anybody in your head? Ladies. I was watching a movie, an old movie last night. Don't even know what it's called, but Christopher Reeve was in it. Remember Christopher Reeve? Okay. Scripture says, 
Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He was a gorgeous man. Scripturally, he was a good looking man. Wrap everything up that we know about Joseph so far. Okay. We know his story and our hearts relate to his pain, right? He's got his past. His mother has passed away. He had to say goodbye to his mom. His mom died in childbirth. That's hard. That's a hard thing to get over. It's an easy thing to say, I lost my mom in such a heartbreaking way. And that is why I fill in the blank. His brothers hated him because of his walk with the Lord. Let me say that again. His brothers hated him because of his walk with the Lord. How easy would it have been for Joseph to say, my brothers hated me because God loved me. That is why today I walked away from God. Why I do this sin. Why I live this life. How easy would that have been? His whole, his whole everything, everyone he loved was against him. That's tough. It's a good excuse right there. It's easy. Excuses are easy. Justifying is easy. Joseph had opportunity to excuse his manners, to justify his choices. We think of his successes. We think, oh, yeah, I went through the pit and I'm standing strong today. I'm standing strong today. And that is why I get to fill in the blank. I have reached the pinnacle of success. Did he not? He was second in command. He was in charge of everything. That is why I fill in the blank. So many times we today say, well, I do this because my life is really, really hard. Or we say, I do this because I've worked hard. I've earned my right. That is why I behave like this. This is why I choose this. Hmm. Right. It's true. We use our story, both bad and good, to justify our choices. Joseph could have done that. He also had the opportunity of saying that mirror, the mirror does not lie. That is why I fill in the blank. He is good looking. Have you ever seen a good looking person use their looks for their own benefit, for their own gain? He had that opportunity. Joseph literally had every excuse and justification in the book. Every single one of them. I always claim to be queen of justification. I can justify why we should celebrate life on a Tuesday at 1 p.m. And let's celebrate by shopping and laughing and ignoring all responsibilities. Because it's Tuesday. And it's one. And look at what God has given to us. And let's push purchase now. <laughs> I can justify. Ask my husband. I can justify. You have a new sweatshirt? I do. I finished writing chapter two. I needed it. I, it Lord have mercy. I can justify a celebration any minute of any day. I love that. Joseph had all that right. He had all that place. He was human. We have that. We have our sentences and we say our sentences. And we might not express them with our mouth, but we certainly do live them out. 
Because of my woe, I. Because of my victory, I. Because of who I am, I. Because of the color of my hair, I. Because, and they walk hand in hand. And instead of walking hand in hand, our physical and our spiritual, we walk hand in hand, our appearance and our past. Or we justify. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Verse 7 says, And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, Behold. Oh, I love that word. It says, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He gives his reason. He says, I can't do that because he, your husband, has given me every opportunity I have. And then verse 9. Verse 9 is key. Verse 9 is our tool that I pray we walk away with today. It says, he is not greater. He is not greater in this house than I am. He's laying down his truth. He's laying what could have been his excuse, his power, his statement. And he's talking about his boss, the husband of this woman who's being highly inappropriate. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. You're not even on the table. Like you're not even part of the issue. You're already married. Like you're not even part of this equation. And I love that all of Joseph's words are all about his boss. His boss, his boss, his boss, his boss. He gives credit to whom credit is due, right? I am who I am today because my boss saw it in me. I am, I get to do what I get to do because my boss saw that I'm good at what I do. So he's letting me do it. All that I have, all that I am, all that I get to do all day is because my boss has allowed me to do this. But that's not his excuse or statement of why he did not sin. It has nothing to do with his boss. He says at the end of verse nine, he says, how then can I do this great wickedness? And how can I sin against God? He had every excuse in the book. He could have so easily said yes. You, I'm sure she was beautiful. I would imagine she was not hard on the eyes. He had every opportunity. He had every opportunity. Same opportunities we have every time sin comes in our face. We have every opportunity. It might not be a man coming up to us and saying to us, lie with me. But it may be that thing, whatever that thing is that's in your head. We talked about sin a couple weeks ago. We called it a name. And a lot of us in this room said it out loud. Said it out loud to a friend. Said it out loud to God. Some of us didn't say it out loud, but we wrote it. There's a lot of us that wrote our sin on paper. There's some of us that did not say it out loud, that did not write it on paper, but it was spoken on our heart. We know what that was. There's some of us that are still sitting here saying, nope, nope. Let's go back to the shopping conversation. <laughs> Wherever you are when it comes to your sin life, be where you are. Face it where you are today. Sin is real. Sin is part of who we are. It's the seed that was planted in us from the Garden of Eden. It's in us. Sin is in us. 
Joseph had every opportunity to, to fall, every opportunity to fall. He had every excuse in the book to fall. He could have justified it and did it. Could have said yes. There's no difference between this story and you and me today. There's no difference. We have every excuse in the book to say yes. We have every opportunity in the book to justify. I can say yes to this temptation because fill in the blank. And I wonder how many of us finish that sentence that quickly because we've done that so many times. So many times our temptation is a cycle, isn't it? For most people, it's not that we sin in all the sins all the time. I don't know many people that fall into all the sins all the time. So I like being part of women's Bible studies. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good group of girls. But all of us have that cycle. Our cycles might look different and they'll have different sins and different forgiveness levels and different reputations and they might come and go different seasons. Maybe in anniversaries of loss, that temptation comes even harder. That celebration of victory, that celebration is excused even greater. We all have our seasons, our cycles and sin comes and sin goes and we stand tall and we fall flat and it goes and goes, such is life. It's going to happen. However, if we switch our eyes, if we switch our eyes and we claim jo Joseph's sword, I always ask people and they come to me with a heartache, what's your sword? What is that verse that you're holding on to? Because to fight in your own strength, you're going to fall. Sweet friend, if you fight sin in your own strength, you're going to fall. But if you fight sin with a sword, with the sword of the Lord, there's victory there. This is a good sword. So I don't know what sword I need for my sin to conquer temptation. This is your sword. I shared my sin a couple weeks ago. And in study of this, when we were writing the study in um, July, I think it was in July, we were writing the study. And I saw this sentence with new eyes for the first time. And this is before I publicly confessed my sin to women inseparable. But at that point in July, I connected my lifelong cycle with this sword. And I was curious, what would happen if I had this mentality? And I went back at old stories and I talked to my husband about old stories, like how different things would have been if I had this sword, that when I'm lying to my husband, it's not my husband I'm lying to, it's my God. How can I do that to my God? Oh, that those words stay in my mouth. There's a freedom there. And it, it completely cuts that cycle off. Where that's not an issue so much for me, but there is an issue of refraining from speaking truth and fear of hurting somebody. As I shared a couple weeks ago, like truth makes people walk away from your life. So I struggle with it. And I know that is not a true sentence. I know that's not truth, but that's how my brain was wired. So I fear that. I, 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 I struggle with speaking truth sometimes, even like little, little silly truths. What if that hurts somebody? What if that truth hurts? But better is the wound of a friend, right, than the song of a fool. What would happen if... And I can testify what will happen if you use that sword in your hand and slice that cycle. It'll bring it to an end. And it gives a freedom to it. 
It gives a freedom to it that says, I can speak this truth. My husband has even noticed I've been more bold and more free with my words. I am one that thinks before she speaks to a fault because I don't want any lie to come out of my mouth. So for years and years and years, I think before I speak. So I'm a very slow speaker. Our pastor at ECC always jokes, I'm a fast speaker. I'm like, I am not. <laughs> I am quite opposite. You can put me on fast when you watch the podcast. I'm curious how many podcast listeners speed me up a little bit because I'm like, Jesus loves you. Uh, not a fast speaker. And it's because I have practiced all these years. Think before you speak. Don't let that come out of your mouth. But I've noticed, I've noticed, and it's been seen in me. Jesus has been seen in me these last couple of months. The freedom of my words, the boldness of my words. Because I'm no longer under that, that rock of truth is going to make somebody walk away from me. Because it's no longer about that person walking away from me. It's about me not causing an offense in the eyes of my God. Am I wording that well? There's freedom that comes when you look at your sin and you call, a, call your sin by name. Call your sin by name. Every time, always give it a name. Give it a name and then tell it in the name of Jesus Christ, you have no place in my life. Give your sin a name and then two, see it as an offense with your God, not that person. Because so many times we get in a habit. If fighting is your thing, we get in a habit with that one person. Typically fighting, if that's your thing, it's not that you fight with everybody. You're not going to the store causing fights with all the people. You certainly don't go to church and fight with people at church. But there's that person. Oftentimes that person is in our own home. And that person knows how to push that button. And there's your excuse. Well, it's not me. It's that person. Because they this, I that. And there's your excuse. The answer is right here. The answer is God. Fight that cycle. Get rid of that cycle. And it's not about you fighting and then having to go back and say, please forgive me. There's a weird addiction that takes place of getting forgiveness from that person. It fills you up a little bit. But if you've replaced that person that thing, that recipient of your constant cycled sin with God, your eyes have been shifted up. So next time that anger comes, you're like, A, one, you've got to remove your eyes from God for that anger to come out, doesn't it? And we're always keeping our eyes up. Keep your eyes up. And when your eyes do come down and that sin comes out, Get your eyes back up and say, God, I'm so sorry for my anger. Before you even apologize to that other person, get your forgiveness fully from God because he's the one who holds the forgiveness. He could have slept with this woman. And he knows that there would have been a price to pay. His job, his security, his boss's respect. There would have been ripple effect from his choice of sin. But he wasn't caring about that. He was caring about what would happen if I sinned against God. He's given me so much. How could I? How could I? Name your sin and hold on to your sword. My sin, every time I sin, no matter what that sin is, it is a sin against my God. And no. 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 
No. B3. No. No. And the more you say no, and the more your eyes are here, I promise you, victory will come. And you will increase. You won't be there because you're still here. You'll be there when you get to heaven. You're not going to get there, but you're going to move in that direction. And you're going to increase. Increase. Increase in your walk with God. Hold on to your sword. How then, Joseph says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against the very one who holds my forgiveness? Heavenly Father, Lord God, how good you are. Lord, you've created us in your image. It's absolutely amazing every time I read about the creation of mankind, how you've created us through and through in the image of God. That's absolutely amazing. And so many times we forget our creation and we f- see ourselves just as sin. But Lord, the sin came second. Our creation came first. Our image is you. And yes, because we're human and yes, because we were born of man, there's that seed of evil in us and that seed of evil is going to come, but it doesn't have to produce fruit in our life. It doesn't have to entangle us because Jesus, Heavenly Father, we didn't talk much about Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And I pray right now that if that is a a missing piece in somebody's heart, I pray that they will find Jesus today that that missing piece will be replaced by the love of Jesus Christ that was demonstrated on the cross for our sins and how he was buried and how he rose again. Father God, I pray that there is faith today that is placed in the name of Jesus Christ and that from there they can find freedom from sin, freedom from the chains and the weight that overtakes us with this, with this sin nature that is in us for those of us, Father God, that know Jesus is our Savior, but are still living in humanity, I pray that you will help us, help us to stand strong on that foundation of our salvation. Help us to hold on to the sword of the powerful word of God and proclaim that this sin has nothing to hold on us because Jesus. Father God, we've been forgiven. Help us not to set our eyes on that sin once again. Help us not to use an excuse or a justification for that sin that you've placed on our hearts to consider today. I pray that we will be humble in your eyes, that our pride won't overtake us, that we won't excuse or justify anything that's on our heart, but that we'll lay it before you and find freedom. Find freedom today from that cycle of sin that's in us and give us victory. Father God, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ for victory so that we will not sin against the very one who created us. Oh, Father God, we love you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WIOnline. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.